The scripture reading for this day is from Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and is the story of the Passover. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of the months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inners, inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord throughout your generation, generations. You shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have been worshiping with us this summer, you will know that we are taking what we call a bird's eye view of the first book of the Bible. By that I mean, we are considering how the stories of Genesis fit together for the overall purpose of the author. We've also learned that all of the stories that we've read so far in Genesis relate back to the story of creation. As you remember the story of creation, God creates a good world, good people, but obviously there's brokenness and there's dysfunction and there is sin in the world. So the rest of the Bible is the story of God putting that world back together again, that broken world back into the way it should be. We have been surprised at how God does that. God seems to work from the underside of history. God mends the world by beginning with mending individuals and Individual families, like the families of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. When those families come together, God mends the world. God continues to mend the world today by mending our families, 
and mending us as individuals. Last week, we learned that God is not only concerned about mending individuals and mending families, but God's concerned about mending society. Society is broken when people like the Hebrews become slaves to people more powerful than they. Society itself is always broken when the rich and the powerful and the advantaged take advantage of those who are poor and weak. In last week's story, God calls Moses, an ordinary and insignificant man, to demand freedom for the slaves. Finally, we learn that Moses believed God could actually work through someone like him, someone insignificant. Now, in today's Bible reading, we have the story of the Passover meal. It's one of the more difficult and even strange stories in the Bible. The Hebrew slaves are just about to escape Egypt. God is doing the work of mending injustice. But before that happens, before they escape their slavery, God says, have a meal. Have a meal first. It's weird. Why? What's that all about? God knew that we human beings need rituals. We need symbols. We need ways to see the possibility of a mended world. And the Passover meal was exactly that kind of ritual. It was God's way of reminding the Hebrew people and reminding us today that it is possible to live the dream, to live in a mended world, to live in a Garden of Eden world. It is possible that everyone can be equal. It is possible that everyone can have enough. It is possible that there can be peace on earth. The Passover ritual was a meal, yes, but more it was a symbol of the mended world that we all desire. It is and was a moment in time when everything was right with the world. It's a little bit like our Thanksgiving meals, or at least what we hope our Thanksgiving meals can be. Thanksgiving for our country was meant to be a symbol of people coming together for a brief moment, putting our differences aside. Although our Thanksgiving meals do not always live up to that ideal. That's the hope. The hope is still there. The ritual meal, like Thanksgiving, like Passover, is meant to symbolize what could be. As you all probably know, Jesus also celebrated the Passover. He did it on the night before he was crucified. And on that night, Jesus transformed the Passover meal into the meal we call Holy Communion, a meal we celebrate this very day. Holy Communion is sometimes called the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is a Greek word, which simply means Thanksgiving. It's our Thanksgiving meal. Holy Communion is then meant to be a brief moment in our week when there is unity and equality and peace and everything is as it should be. It is a Garden of Eden moment. Communion is our ritual. It's a symbol, a reminder of what God intends for us. When we take communion in our separate places these days, I know that we are invisibly connected to one another, but I can't help thinking about when we celebrate communion in our church building. Do you remember? We sing, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. 
Do you wa remember watching young and old people, male and female, singles, families, slowly making their way up to the bread and the wine? There is that quiet shuffling of feet, clearing of throats, some music in the background. A daughter assists her aging parent who has a cane. A child is carried in the arms of her dad. You hear a pastor, almost in a whisper, say, Body of Christ given for you. Blood of Christ shed for you. The little ones look for a chalice with juice, and then, once they take their communion, look back at their parents with a big smile. Some people make the sign of the cross. Others smile or nod at someone they know in the pews. Many of us think of the passage from the book in Hebrews, which says at communion that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and we are absolutely convinced that our loved ones who have died are also there in this holy communion meal. Grandma, grandpa, spouse, child, all there. We think of Psalm 23 when the Lord says, that he prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies are also peacefully sharing this ritual meal with us. There are no more enemies. For a moment, one brief moment, everything is right and good and true, and that's what communion is meant to be. And then it's back to the world. God gave the Hebrew people the ritual meal of Passover, yes, as a symbol of unity of what can be, what should be, but secondly, God also gave the communion meal as nourishment, physical and spiritual for the journey ahead. And the spiritual nourishment was the most important. God said, eat this meal with your loins girded. Be ready to move. It would be like saying today, mm, keep your engines running or get ready to work. Mending the world, escaping slavery meant the Hebrew people had some work to do. They had some risks to take. People in power, those who oppress, like the way the world is, they would prevent any change if they possibly could. It's like the alcoholic who does not want to change. It's like the abuser who enjoys dominating others. It's like us, I suppose, when we cherish our privilege, even at the expense of other people. Gird your loins, God says. It's time for change. I am your God, and I will mend the world through your efforts. It reminds us of the theme of our National Lutheran Church, the ELCA, a theme that's been used for many years. God's work, our hands. Today, today, this worship service is our Passover moment. First of all, it is a holy moment to remind ourselves of what the world can and should be. It is our moment to briefly reenact the dream of equality and justice and peace, the Garden of Eden. Second, it is a moment of our spiritual nourishment, which prepares us to engage the world's problems, to set the people free. The Eucharist meal is meant to be spiritual food 
to inspire us, to propel us, to embrace that theme, God's work, our hands. We, of course, are living in this pandemic time, this time of restriction, of staying close to home. It's time for many of us of loneliness and confusion and even anxiety. We long to return to the way it was. We, we want to see our friends at worship again. We grit our teeth and try to persevere as best we can. I guarantee you that one day we will return to our building. And we will work to recreate what we had. But we know that now the church and our work will be changed forever. It's almost like this is our pandemic Passover. By that I mean we are forced to take a time out of our ordinary lives and to regroup and think about the future. The Hebrew people girded their loins as they prepared for their freedom and their new life. This can be a time for us also to reflect and to analyze and to be creative and dream about the future of our ministry together. The pandemic has been an awful time, but we have realized some important things during this awful time. We have realized how important community friendships are to us. We've discovered new ways to use technology to share the message of Jesus Christ. We at Holy Spirit have embraced, embraced efforts to combat racism. We at Holy Spirit have provided resources for those in financial need. We at Holy Spirit have had a thriving ministry during this time. And we've also learned how much wonderful support that you are giving to the ministries of the church. We have learned that you listening here today, have prioritized your faith and your service. We're amazed and humbled at your financial, prayerful, and volunteer support that has sustained this ministry for the past six months. With your continued support and participation, we will turn this pandemic into a kind of timeout to prepare for an even more vibrant future in ministry. We will, like the faithful people of old, gird our loins for ministry now, during the pandemic, and fully into the future. Such is our calling. Such is the message that Almighty God has for us today through the story of the Passover. God bless you all.